Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. How are you doing today, Angela? You know what? I am fantastic. The sun is shining. It is beautiful out. How are you? I'm doing well. We have a we have a good episode this week. I will say next week, <sighs> though, we have a great episode coming I up. I can't wait for you guys to hear the episode we have coming next week. Yes. It, by far the best one we've ever had. We are riding high, so we, we got to interview... <laughs> legendary disney animator tom bancroft this week so he is the animator behind such classic characters as young simba he worked on young simba yeah i was geeking out he worked on pocahontas like yes pocahontas herself he Mm -hmm. helped animate her and then he is the creator of mushu the lead animator Yes. yes supervising animator of mulan so we got to sit down with him this week um, had a great interview. It's like over an hour long. I mean, yeah. just a lot of like really great insight and just. I could have talked to him for at least seven hours. Yeah. And, and some great just kind of like facts and everything about like the Disney company, things you may not know about that time period, mm-hmm. about some of those movies. And he has an incredible mind. I mean, it definitely speaks to the fact that he's an animator. So he pays a lot of attention to detail, but his mind is a steel trap. He remembers a lot about the time period, everything that was going on, what was going on in his life. Like if you ask me about that time period of my life, I would be like, I don't know. I was trying You're to get also like five. So no, no, I'm talking about like, you know, when I was in my early twenties oh, okay. and that was not that long ago for me. <laughs> I thought you meant like in the nineties when you were no. like seven or eight, something like no, that. Okay. No, no. Yeah. So it, it, it's a really great interview. So that one is going to be next week. So that's a tease for you. Yeah. So we're going to have that one next week. We are, we are really excited. Um, so just uh, tell all your friends. Yeah. Tell but, all of your friends because if they're going to get into our podcast in any way, it's going to be next week. Yes. Yeah. It's great. But again, we do have a good episode this week, though. It's not like we're co- <laughs> it's not like we're phoning it in this week. Um, but we'll get into our main topic in a, in a minute here, where we're going to be discussing uh, the attractions at Tokyo Disneyland. But before we get into that, over underrated, yes. But before we get into that, we are going to be discussing some Disney news. So Disney dropped a ton of news. It came <laughs> hot and heavy this this weekend on the reopening of Disney World. So we are filming this on Sunday. The day before uh, this podcast airs, we're, we're filming it. Yeah, we're filming it. No, we're <laughs> recording it. Uh, so you're listening to this on Monday. We we filmed it on Sunday. But Disney had a lot of news about the reservation system, about what rides and attractions are going to be open, what the parks are going to look like, and so I thought we could kind of discuss it a little bit. I think they answered some questions and then raised like 50 more <laughs> questions. So it, that's it, always how it is. Yeah, it, it is kind of confusing, but. They announced um, what attractions are going to be open. So it, it seems like most of the attractions are going to be open at the parks. A lot of the theater shows are going to be open, which is interesting. The indoor theater shows, huh, yeah. which was kind of interesting. But things like the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular is closed. Oh. And that is outdoors, which is yeah. kind of confusing. Because if you have indoor shows, why, why is the outdoor one uh, closed? Is it more for the actors, maybe? Uh, maybe. That that could be, yeah. Because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, but they could wear masks. I'm not 100 sure why, but it. So there are there are some questions about that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Savi's workshop is closed. That makes sense. But the Droid Depot is open. Okay, that doesn't. Yes. So, so there there are some. Well, there are a few confusing things. You here. know what though, Savi's is very performative, and so if you're going to watch, um, you know, the the guy tell you how to make your lightsaber and you can't see his mouth move um that would take away from the whole experience because he's probably get he would have to wear a mask yes yeah that could be but you would think just in terms of 
crowd dispersion. There's you could have ten people in Savvy's and you're and you could be spread out. Yeah. That Droid Depot, you are packed in there. You could be, yeah. Yeah. So now I imagine the Droid Depot will have very limited capacity. Yeah. They'll limit how many people are in there. Yeah. But, I have to feel like there's not they're not gonna be really taking walk ins. I know you can do a walk in. I I would imagine that it's going to be a mostly by reservation and they'll be able to space you out pretty well. Yeah. And, and with the limited capacity of the parks, there may not be, there may be 15,000 people in all of Hollywood studios. There may not be that many people trying to get in there, but um, so, so there's that we learned about um, some more about the characters. So they announced there's no parades, but what is interesting is in this <laughs> announcement, there's going to be character cavalcades going down. And they say, I love this idea. And they say going down the parade route, though, of Magic Kingdom. And there was some um, concept art and it looked like a parade float. So I'm not sure how they're saying there's no parades, but yet they're going to be on the parade route. What I think this is, is there's not going to be a formal huge parade right. that comes through that it's going to be one little car with some characters on it that just drive through a small section of the park along the parade route. So maybe they just go down main street, kind of like the, like, like the, um, they're not cable cars, but kind of like this, like the cable cars, um, go mm. up and down main street or like the horses just go up and down that one section of main street that maybe they're just there. And then maybe, you know, another cavalcade is through, uh, Cinderella's castle. So it, they're kind of still having a parade, but not really like a huge parade right. type thing. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then aren't they doing something kind of interesting in like, Ma- uh, not Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom with, they're putting the characters on, on like floats They're going to be on the boats. floats. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to, they're going to have those characters out on the river. Uh, Epcot, it sounds like they're just going to be, again, kind of parading or a procession around World Showcase. Like it sounds like Anna and Elsa will just kind of be <laughs> going around World Showcase. Hollywood Studios, I think, I think I read somewhere where they're going to be using like motor cars. Well, kind of like golf carts, um, motor, motor cars on like the streets of Hollywood. So it sounds like that they're going to be, the characters are going to be very mobile, that they're going to be on something moving just so it's, it's a quick, you know, interaction. You can still see them, but in no way are you going to be able to stop or to your point, like we talked about before you were saying like in Tokyo, if the characters are just out, they're going to get mobbed. How are they going to prevent that? Yeah. Well, if they're driving, you're not gonna be able to stop. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, this, I would say this is, this would be a great time. You know, uh, they have in cars land in in California, Disneyland, uh, they have like lightning McQueen and Mater and stuff. This would be a perfect opportunity if, if we had them over here on uh, the Disney world side for, for them to be driving around. Cause I feel like their care, cause they're that, that, they that, drive very slow though. They do, but at the same time, it's I don't. That's not really a person. You need it's, something quick. But they drive slow enough that you could gather around them. I kind of feel like this is going to be a very quick. I mean, Animal Kingdom is the is the best one where they're just out on the water, right? They, and they can stay away from the people. Yeah, and then it's just hey, just wave at the people. How you you know how you doing? Um, type thing. But then Disney also announced the reservation system. So um, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's open. So if you have a existing hotel reservation with a ticket, and as of right now, you cannot get a hotel reservation with a ticket, so you have already had to have had one. If you have an existing hotel reservation with a ticket, you can make your park reservation starting today, the 22nd. And how it will work is you have to have you know, everything linked through your My Disney Experience app. 
You have to have your family members linked already. And then you'll be able to go on and select a day that you want to go, the park you want to go to. And in the announcement, Disney mentioned a time. Now this, and again, this is kind of where I think more questions come up because Mm -hmm. I haven't seen much clarification or reporting on this. And, you know, by now, by the time you're listening to this, I think we'll know a little bit more. But, you know, as of what we know today, I don't know if that means... Today is in Sunday. Yeah. I I don't know if that means you're only going to be able to be in the parks for a certain time period. Or like, you know, like if I get a reservation, but it's only at three o'clock, does that mean I can only go to the Magic Kingdom at three o'clock in the afternoon? And so I think it, you know, it's an interesting note, but again, one that hasn't really had much reporting or clarification on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is this is definitely interesting. It definitely, you know, it almost seems like there's going to be even more of a cramp on the Disney experience than we had even initially thought um, when we talked about our own trip coming up. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely we're gonna something that we're gonna keep our eyes on. We can talk about as we look into what we're going to do still, as we're still kind of making our decision. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to go on tomorrow morning and make reservations just to see because I'm just curious how it works. Like, is it right. like if I go on and I pick yet? Yeah, because if you can't get a reservation for the morning, again, if you, you know, is it somebody's going to be from eight to one and then another group's from one to eight, you know, that you have five or six hours a piece? Because the other thing is, there is no park hopping. I think we kind of we talked about this that we thought park hopping probably didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Disney officially announced park hopping is suspended for the, for the near future. Um, so you're only gonna be able to make a reservation for one park a day. Yeah. I'm sure they're trying to limit travel and bus travel as much as possible because it is going to be a, I, I think that they are anticipating that that is going to be a problem. Um, you know, it, it, you can't really stay away from people in large vehicles. They want to, they usually jam a ton of people in there, but they're not going to be able to really do that. So they're going to want to limit that travel as much as humanly possible. So, because the bus drivers are going to be responsible for probably disinfecting the bus down between every trip. Um, so it is, it is definitely an issue. That's actually a good point. I wonder if that's almost what the times are for. Like, I wonder if it's, you know, Again, we're kind of thinking of as, oh, you know, or is it going to be, you can only go half a day. I wonder if it's more going to be, okay, let's say, the park's, buses. Well, let's say the park's open at eight. And so obviously there's some people that love to get up early in the morning and be at the parks early as possible. Oh. You know, there's other people that... So they could stagger it. Yeah. There's other people that are like, hey, my kids don't get up until eight. By the time I get them ready to go, I'm not going to be ready till 10. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, an eight o'clock time, a nine o'clock time, a 10 o'clock time. And then that way they can, to your point, get the buses where they need to go. Because that's a good point. If people aren't park hopping, there's less a need for buses. There's probably going to be less traffic to and from the parks. Like there's going to be a lot of people going in the morning. And then probably nobody's going to be leaving the parks for four or five hours. And then in the afternoon, people will start trickling out. And then in the evening, obviously, there's going to be a big rush out. But they they can almost schedule the bus times for you. Yeah, if they can limit, they can limit. They can get the buses where they need to be, give more time for cleaning. Well, right. Yeah. If they say, okay, well, your times are 8 and 7.15, then they know, you know that you have to catch the bus at 7.15. They know that there's going to be 15 people on that bus or whatever. So they know they they could spread you out on those big buses. Um, yeah. Well, that's I, the thing because they're going to have, I mean, they can't keep those buses full. They're going to need right. a lot more buses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is definitely, an, that's an interesting thought though. I think that 
I bet you any money that's something that they do. Yeah. You know, they're probably going to listen to our podcast today and then they're going to really figure it out for tomorrow. I think they're figuring oh, out. Well, actually, they, they would have to actually have access to tapping our our uh, our technology here at home. Well, our I was going to say, I think they're kind of figuring this out on the fly. And I think a lot of this is going to change day to day anyway. So, all right. So the 22nd, if you have an existing ticket, the 26th is for annual pass holders without a resort reservation. And this is where it, there's a, we could do a whole other kind of discussion on this but i mean the annual pass holders this is a very weird time for them because mm-hmm. they've they've had their payments delayed or they're gonna have their annual passes extended for the amount of time the parks were closed but now the parks are open so they're gonna be using their annual pass time but yet they can't really go because yeah. there's there's gonna be limited reservations they can only make three days worth of reservations at a time so it's not like they can just book you know every day um, so it's going to be hard to use that annual pass, and for you pay a lot of money for those. So I'm yeah. not sure if Disney will ultimately do something for them or not. But the 26th is annual pass holders, and then the 28th is th- is when they are going to open up new ticket reservations. So these are um, existing ticket holders without uh, a Disney Resort reservation can make. So if you're staying off property, mm-hmm. you have a ticket, you can make reservations. But they're also going to be opening up reservations now, not for 2020 but for 2021. So this reservation system is actually going to be have days available through September 26th, 2021. So it seems like this reservation system will be in place uh, for quite a long time. Yeah. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens tomorrow when, when this kind of goes up, how this works. Like I said, we, we've talked about we do have a trip scheduled in August. Probably not going to end up going, but yeah. I mean, but if beca- you if you look at the numbers of 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 coronavirus cases, uh, Florida's like an epicenter right now, so probably not a, a wise choice for us, right? But because we have a reservation, we are able to go <laughs> in and make these park reservations. So I, I am going to go and at least try it one because maybe we do go. I mean, we still have some time to decide. I mean, we have a couple months here, but two just to kind of see how it works, right? Because at the very least, if we don't go, we cancel it. Somebody else will be able to you know, make a park reservation for that day. But yeah, so it's really interesting. The other like little note at the end of this announcement, which I was kind of most surprised by was that Disney announced starting January 1st, 2021, they are no longer going to be giving you complimentary magic bands for Mm -hmm. Disney world, which I was kind of, I was surprised by because it really seems like they are going to be phasing out the magic bands to an extent because they're going to be integrating it into your phone so yeah, in the, the same way that is that that's the genie app, right? Well, it's not. And the my Disney experience. It, it, it potentially could be the genie app. I mean, they said it. You know, it's going to be new functionality. But I mean, currently in the my Disney experience app, you can use your phone to unlock your um, hotel door. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, you can use your Magic Band. So it's just going to be an expansion of that. And they also talked about that they're going to go back to the old cards. Like if you don't want to use your phone and you don't have a Magic Band. They're going to give you the old kind of plastic cards to use. So it's almost a step back to an extent. Yeah, that's interesting, especially since, you know, you think, I mean, I don't know. I would say the magic band is also a big waste of of resources, but a plastic card, you feel like those are going to, plastic is not something that biodegrades easily. I doubt many people are going to use those. Yeah. I, I think they figure a lot of people use their phones, which is how Disneyland works. Now, they are still going to sell Magic Bands. So it's not like Magic Bands are going away completely. You can still purchase them, and they're going to have you know a lot more 
character designs and colors. You can still purchase them at a discount beforehand. It's just you're not going to get the complimentary ones, which I was very surprised by. But I also understand because we probably have six of them at this point. Yeah, we have a ton of magic and bands. We I, can match them with our outfits. Yeah, and I think day. there's probably a lot of people that go that have gone multiple times that again, you're just you're it's costing Disney money one. It's and a two, waste. And two, yeah, you know, Disney is very much all about um conserving like and envi- being, being green. environmentally yeah. friendly. Yeah, and so it is kind of a waste. So and also it's a new income stream because now if you want a magic band, you got to give them 10 bucks instead of getting one for free. So, <laughs> you know, that, that gets some uh, additional money. But last time we bought custom ones anyways. So they're right. kind of nicer than the plain colored ones to right. begin with. So yeah, you got a Mickey one and I got a Moana one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's some interesting news. So that, that kind of was a bit of a surprise. They buried it in with all this other <laughs> reservation stuff that, Oh yeah, by the way, we're not going to give you magic bands anymore for free. You're gonna have to pay for them. So, well, uh, but that's uh, for January of next year. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of news. Um, so we'll have to see yeah, how easy it is to get reservations mm-hmm. t- tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this. So, all right. So for our main topic today, we've, we've done a few of these in the past, kind of looking at the the ratings and we use the touring plans website mm-hmm. um they have uh, a lot of their readers rate them and then they kind of average out the ratings of the ride so we look at they write like little mini reviews too which are really nice yes it's a yeah very helpful website so we look at the the ratings of the rides and then kind of decide based on our opinion which ones are overrated or underrated at a given park so i think we've done magic kingdom before i think we've done one on epcot mm-hmm. i don't know if we've done animal kingdom yeah, I think I think we might have done Animal Kingdom. We're waiting on Hollywood Studios because we haven't ridden Rise of the Resistance yet. So so we're gonna jump over to Tokyo. So <laughs> we're gonna do Tokyo Disneyland. We're gonna park hop. Yes, really park hop. We're gonna park hop here. So <laughs> we're gonna park fly. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go to Tokyo Disneyland and discuss some of those rides that are over and underrated. And I will say, kind of before we start, there are a ton of extremely low rated uh, rides or attractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Tokyo Disneyland, yeah. which I was kind of surprised by. But do we want to start with underrated? Sure. So um, one of the most surprising underrated things for me was the Enchanted Tiki Room Stitch Presents Aloha e Komomai, which was rated at a two. Um, and it's the Enchanted Tiki Room. I would give this a three and a half. Uh, and this is considering I don't speak Japanese. Like, it, the whole thing is in Japanese and it's it's still incredible like it's it's amazing to to watch it you can actually get a little device and like if you speak English they will give you a device and you can read it and it translates it for you I will say if you are uh, that was gonna be my point is if you are somebody who does not speak Japanese this is actually a good ride to go on because it's right. the one ride that you can actually get right. a, get it translated right it, it's they have a translator and even if you had to watch the whole thing and you didn't know you could figure out the story so basically the story is the birds are holding their show you know just like a regular enchanted enchanted tiki room but stitch comes in and he messes everything up and at one point like the cockatoos drop down from the ceiling and they're wearing stitch ear headbands so he's just kind of messing around with things and so they're trying to kind of figure out the whole time like what's causing this and then eventually this really incredible stitch animatronic comes up from the center of the room and he kind of like 
reveals himself as the person who's been causing all the problems and then they actually kind of work it out and sing a song together and he plays the ukulele and it's really cute and stitch turns around you can see him i I thought it was great and it was so hot when we were there it was a great break from the heat yeah i will say i I agree with you i think this one is underrated at a two uh, especially because you have um snow white's uh scary adventures at a two and a half you have pinocchio's uh daring adventure at a two i think it is uh, a more entertaining attraction than those so I, I agree with you i think two's low i'm not sure if if the ratings are from primarily uh u.s yeah uh, uh, readers or if they're from uh japanese kind of readers of the site because i will say if you are from the u.s parks i can see why you would rate this lower because you're used to the original tiki room and you probably don't like the addition of stitch of having that character kind of shoehorned in there i know you love stitch yeah i was gonna say i think this was I thought it was great. I think, and it was fun for us to get exposure to the fact that they call him Stitchy. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, it's just a different thing. You're not seeing the same thing that you you can go see if you go to Florida or California. It's a different take on it. Yeah, I will say that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is. I, I like the interesting take. When you're in an international park, you can't expect it to always be like the U.S. parks. You're, they're going to have some local flavor to it. And in Japan, um, Stitch is a very popular character. There's actually a few attractions centered around mm-hmm. Stitch there. And I would feel cheated if it was the same, honestly. Yeah, and, and I, li- I like the addition of Stitch. But I could see you know, a lot of U.S. park goers that really love the Enchantique Room. And they kind of tried this at Disney World where they did mm-hmm. the under new management version and they had Iago and Zazu in it yeah. that didn't really work very well. And so I, I could see people saying, oh, this is just another attempt to infuse IP in a non-IP attraction. But I think, again, you have to look at it. And IP is intellectual property yeah. for anybody who might yeah. not know what that means. But you have to look <laughs> at it. You know, In Japan, Disneyland there was built in the 80s. It wasn't... You know, this isn't the tiki room that Walt built. I mean, they, they were copying the attractions, but, you know, the the Oriental Land Company didn't just necessarily want an exact replica of it. They, they wanted it to be, to have their own spin on it to an extent. So well, I could see why they added this in there. Well, yeah, but I, I was going to say, they didn't, they updated it because Stitch, I mean, Lilo and Stitch came out, I think, early 2000s. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So this wasn't their original attraction. But but what I'm saying is they're they're not necessarily as beholden to some of it. Right. So I could see why a lot of people who who really love the Enchantique Room may not love this. But I do agree. I think this is underrated at a two. Yeah. So I think I I would give it like a three and a half because I think it's a great escape from the heat. It's not a thrill ride, but it's, it's... it's fun. They sing songs from Lilo and Stitch. They sing like the Hawaiian roller coaster ride song and some other songs that you would be familiar with. And it's fun to hear those songs in Japanese instead of hearing them in English like you're used to hearing. So yeah. yeah and I, again, I it was having great. the translation device, that's a tip. If you go, they very graciously asked us, hey, would you like a, a device to see this in English? And we said yes. But if you do visit Tokyo Disneyland and, and you do go check this out and somebody doesn't say anything to you ask the cast member do you have a device so they have it um 
in a variety of different languages, but you can actually read what is being said. And then another tip is I actually probably could have written this or gone on this more than once because the first time it is a little disorienting because you're trying to watch what's going on around you, but also you want to know what they're saying. So you're looking up and down constantly. Um, it would be great to actually go through it once, kind of just read and hear what's going on and then maybe go do it again and maybe get the device. But don't pay attention to the device so much and really look around you. Yeah, that's true. All right, so one, I kind of mentioned both of them, uh, Pinocchio's Daring Journey and then Snow White's Adventures. I think just based on, again, these ratings, Pinocchio's Daring Journey is underrated. So it's a two, and Snow and it's, and it's I'm basing this off of because Snow White's Adventures is a two and a half. <laughs> and so they're both very similar ride layouts, and they're very similar to the Disneyland versions. But... Pinocchio is just much more it it's much more colorful it's much more upbeat so while it's not necessarily a great ride mm. I'm not saying either of these are you know incredibly exciting and something you really want to ride I feel like Pinocchio is better because Snow White is very much you're lost in the forest well, yeah I was gonna say wasn't that the one that we were shocked by the ending of it yeah, it's it, it's very abrupt. It, yeah, yeah it, it didn't really feel like it was fully fleshed out. Yeah, basically the evil queen is kind of chasing, and it's it's modeled after um, Snow White's um, scary adventures at at Disneyland. And, but yeah, just Pinocchio. There's there's just much more to see. It's much more you know colorful and bright. So I think that one, um, I think that one's better than Snow White. So. Again, I think it's underrated at a two just because Snow White's a two and a half. I mean, I don't know that I'd necessarily go too crazy with this, but I, I think it's... You it's, could bump up to like a three. I think it's worth a two and a half or a three. I think th the other ones... And there's I don't think a ton of underrated ones here. Oh, but, I have like several more. Okay. <laughs> but they really seem to hate on the Toontown area. I've never seen ratings so low for some for some of this stuff. So but the, it was yeah. So the Toon Park, which is a the, the children's play area in Toontown, has a half. So it's out of five. So it has a <laughs> 0.5 rating. Um, which I think is is just sad. I mean, I think you gotta at least give, I give mean, people yeah, it's a not, one. It's not going to and this is where I was questioning their rating system a little bit because you think about it, okay, if you're viewing this from like, oh, is this thrilling? Then yeah, maybe it would be a half star. But it also if you have young children and they need an attraction of that caliber, then half star is really harsh. Well, they, I mean, this is, their, their rating is based on, I think, kind of the average ratings, and they, they break it up on groups. So they have a preschool, grade school, teens, young adults, over 30, and seniors. And even the preschool and, and the young children only give it like a two. Oh, wow. So it's, it's pretty, you know, low rated uh, across the board. Uh, Minnie's House, which is in, the Toontown oh, yeah. area. That's a 1.5. All of those. Um, it was like Donald's boat. Yeah, and... Donald's boat is a one. So uh, Chip and Dale's Treehouse, which is in Toontown, also got a 0.5. I, I actually star. read. I read the review for Chip and Dale's Treehouse, and it was so funny. It was like you climb up these stairs to get up to their treehouse to see basically nothing, only to have to go right back down the stairs. Like it was so yeah. mean. I mean, I understand that, but a 0.5. Yeah. I just think so. Again, I think. They're underrated because I think you at least need to give them a one. I mean, we need to round up here. We need to be a little <laughs> bit more generous. Now, I, I mean, I liked walking through the Toontown area. I will agree. I don't think that there is a ton to do there. And I think if you skip the Toontown area, you're not really missing out on much. But again, we, I just feel like this is some really harsh ratings. Yeah, here. it is. And I think we saw some characters there. And we went over there, actually, because... 
we wanted to get the pizza spring. Well, I wanted to get the pizza spring rolls, which were quite delicious. Um, I was not feeling well at the time I ate them, but I can tell you, even though I wasn't feeling the greatest, it was still great. So definitely check that out if you end up going. So going on to some other things that I thought were underrated, Cinderella's Fairy Tale Hall uh, was rated at a two and a half stars. So basically what they have is you can go into the castle and then walk through. They have like dioramas of like little creations of scenes from Cinderella and they're done by various artists in different styles and they're very cool. You can see Fantasyland from above from the windows. So I thought that rating this at, at two and a half stars was quite harsh. You can also get your picture with a glass slipper. Right, That's yeah. worth, that's worth well, two and a half and stars And you can sit right on there. the throne. So, yeah, that's worth two and a half right so, there. So yeah, I would definitely bump this up a whole star and give it three and a half stars. Again, not a thrill ride, but it is really thrilling and it's different than... It's not a ride at all, so... Well, right. Yeah. But um, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was cool how they did it. They released so many people at a time and then they kind of moved you along and made sure you kept going. Um, but yeah, it was I, I thought it was really cool. I will say for that one, we did wait a little bit of time to get in. So I could see yes. if, if you if there was a long wait and then that's all there was, you'd be like, oh, this wasn't worth it. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> but it was uh, Again, it, it I, was pretty exciting. I think that was one of the things that I read beforehand, you know, whenever we were, we found out we were going and they said, hey, make sure you definitely do this because this is something that we don't really have an American equivalent to. And I think that it was definitely worthwhile for that. So another one that I thought was underrated was, and again, this is kind of comparing it to the American parks. It's a small world. Um, they rated it at three and a half stars and I actually would give it a four and I'm not a big fan of it's a small world really, but... It's a Small World was was really fun. Um, I know that they have up like they updated Disneyland's version of It's a Small World uh, like a while ago. And when we say updated, they've they've added characters in it. Right. So they've added Disney characters into right. It's a Small. So world. they put IP into yes. it. <laughs> but Tokyo has done it far more than than, than any of the other Disneyland. ones. Disneyland, yeah, and Disney World hasn't done it. Yeah, I don't think. Really yeah, at all. I, was just saying, I don't think Disney World has done it, but Disneyland right. does have I, some. I actually we rode It's well, again. It was hot when we went. We wrote it several times and we wrote it several times because we wanted I, like I wanted to get pictures like I, I have various pictures of the different characters that they added and put in like Moana. Um, you know, she's in like the Polynesian section and they even had an Africa section, which was funny because they actually had non people characters. So they had Timon and Pumbaa and Simba. So they had a lot of this. And like they were all over the place. There were some of them up on the ceiling. So I think I counted somewhere like 28 characters or something. Yeah, that was a really good one. And I think that's a good example of a way to integrate Disney characters into existing attractions. Because like to your point, they kept the characters in kind of the countries that they would come from. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't over the top. They were blended in well. To your point, you had to ride it a few times to catch all of them right. even. And, and I'm so sure I, we missed some. So I, I think that was good. I do think that that's probably pretty fairly rated at three and a half. I will say kind of the other one I was going back and forth on, but I, I think it's probably pretty fairly rated is Peter Pan's flight. That's mm -hmm. a three and a half as well. This Peter Pan's flight is kind of more updated. It's definitely right. better than the Disney world version. Yes. Um, so I definitely, you know, recommend, you know, riding this one. If you do get to go to, to Tokyo Disneyland and, but 
and so I was kind of going back and forth of like, oh, is that one a little bit better? But I think compared to some of the other ones, I, I think three and a half is probably yeah, pretty fair. For I it. agree with you. I actually rewatched the ride video for that one and I ended up not including it in my over or underrated. Um, but it is very good. It's very dark and it just it just it's very clean and um, smooth and it's a great ride. I have two more for my for my underrated Pooh's Honey Hunt. Uh, is rated at a five out of five stars. And I think it needs to be rated at a 10 out of five stars. Um, because, it has to be a 10 out of five. <laughs> because Pooh's Honey Hunt is, again, it's not a huge thrill ride, but the way that the cars move, the way that they are... Um, it is on five that- stars, though. I mean, it, it is a five... There are very few attractions that you can say, yes, that's a five out of five. Right. I mean, Pooh's Honey Hunt is very clearly a top ride. There's actually a lot of five-star um rides on this list which i'll kind of get into when i get to my mm-hmm. overrated attractions but yeah Pooh's honey hunt out of five so you think it needs to be a 10 yeah it needs they to need be a to 10 out of five the, change oh. the system yeah exactly i mean like Pooh's not really the smartest anyway he doesn't know how to count so i think he can definitely get oh a 10 my out gosh, of five that's so mean <laughs> but he um what did he ever do to you <laughs> he didn't do anything but i mean that was the crazy thing though is i went into i'm not a big fan of winnie the pooh like it, it was just never it wasn't really a part of my childhood so i don't have this big attack attachment to it and when i went on that ride i wanted to like learn everything there was to know about winnie winnie the pooh i wanted to ride it again um it was fun the animatronics are really cool the way that the ride interact or the cars interact with the ride and move around the track incredible so i would definitely give that a 10 out of 5 and then the other one that i thought was uh a little underrated was the tokyo disneyland electrical parade dream lights which was rated out of five stars and i would give it you can't go above five <laughs> you can't be underrated if you're out of five I would give this it is a- not how this game works you're ruining this game no I'm, I'm making my own rules no you're ruining the game five is the best so it gets a nine out of five stars because of organization you can't the math doesn't work that way <laughs> because of organization and beautiful floats i mean it was the again it, it like the the lights all over the floats were beautiful they had an awesome genie float every float was just gorgeous the lights and everything was wonderful and then the fact that if you 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 had to sit to view the parade and it made it so much easier to see the parade and so sitting gets four stars all right yeah, so it, now that you've completely <laughs> ruined this game <laughs> Let's get to the let's get to the overrated attractions, which thankfully there's none at zero, so that you can't say, "Oh, I think zero's overrated. It needs to be a minus five. Luckily, we can't do that. I think I'm going to change some of my ratings right now, just just no, to mess with no, you but like none that. are at zero. None are at zero. So, all right. So, as I mentioned when we talked about Pooh's Honey Hunt a second ago, there's a lot of attractions at at a five. So, Haunted Mansions at a five. Uh, <laughs> Pooh's Honey Hunt is out of five. Pirates of the Caribbean is out of five. Oh, wow. And as you mentioned, the uh, electrical uh, Dreamlights Parade is out of five. So I agree the parade's a five. I agree Winnie the Pooh's a five. Yes. Comparatively, you cannot say Haunted Mansion oh. and Pirates of the Caribbean are fives. Yes, because, I agree. Because Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad are only fours. Oh, yes. Yes, you are correct. And so... Based on that, and, and just based on you know everything else that's going on, I, you, I love Haunted Mansion, I love Pirates of the Caribbean, but there is nothing special about these versions right. compared to their U.S. counterparts that make them a five. I mean, compared to Pooh's Honey Hunt, you, you can't have them at a five. So I think if 
if you have Big Thunder Mountain at a four and you have Space Mountain at a four, at best, those are fours. Yeah. I, I really think, I don't think, I wouldn't I think go, that's fair. I wouldn't go below uh, four for those. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain at a four is, is probably fair. Maybe they could be a four and a half, but uh, you know, that's kind of preference. Um, but yeah, they are not at a five. I kind of wonder, I, I didn't go back and look to see what they're rated at. Um, like at the U S parks, maybe I'll do that while you're giving yours. Cause I'm curious if they're fives. Yeah. Don't pay attention to what in, I say. In Disney world. Disney world. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I typically zone out anyways when you talk and then <laughs> so I, just, I. I just start, you can tell sometimes <laughs> you zone out when you talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, what was I saying again? Yep, so, yep. All right. But yeah, I'll, I'll maybe quickly look at that. But yeah, I think those are, are kind of clearly for me, the, the overrated, uh, attractions here. Well, okay. So in the same vein as what you were just saying, actually, I, the jungle cruise wildlife expeditions was rated at three and a half stars at, um, you know, there. And I think that's fair. You think that's overrated? Okay. So I am listening. Okay. So yeah, you, good job. You're multitasking well. Um, but I actually think that this is just a, just a twinge high. I would rate it at a three. And the reason why I would give it a three instead of a three and a half, and this is 100% selfish is that junk. Okay. So jungle cruise, I like as a ride, I really enjoy the jungle cruise, but I feel like every time I ride the jungle cruise, I, I ride it with people who don't laugh at the punny jokes. And so then I have to laugh like five times as loud because did you call them punny jokes. Yes, I did. Okay, I was like, did she mean to say funny? No, I meant punny. Okay, nice. I caught yes. that. I'm, really, I'm listening extremely well here. Wow, this is this is incredible. We got to get this going on when we're outside of the podcast arena. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the the jokes there, you know, I always like try to compensate a little bit for the lack of responsiveness of the crowd in the American parks because I feel bad for the person telling the jokes. Um, and I know as a teacher how sometimes when you say things, they don't necessarily land the way you want them to. So I always kind of do that. Well, unfortunately, though, when you're writing and you don't understand the language, you can't. This one is tough. To yes. be honest, if you don't, if you don't speak Japanese. Right. So I didn't, you know, I couldn't tell where the jokes were because people weren't laughing. They weren't really even smiling. It so. might not even have been a funny ride. Maybe yeah. it's a serious ride. I don't know. I, I Yeah, I have no idea. So yeah, that was, that was really, and again, that's a selfish reason. It has nothing to do with, you know, if you're, you were Japanese and you speak Japanese or you're somebody who just, you know, anybody who speaks Japanese you might rate it higher, but it was just, you know, an American coming from an American park that doesn't speak Japanese. Um, I had no idea what was going on. So I would rate it a little bit lower. I I guess I could see that, but I think three and a half is is pretty fair. Okay. So um, another one that I overrated, and again, I didn't really find too many of them. I didn't think too many of them were overrated. I thought they were either appropriately or underrated. Um, and this was the Western Western River Railroad, which is rated at four stars. So I'm going to slip this in while Joe's hopefully not listening. Uh, my rating is negative 50 stars because they were closed when we no. were there. <laughs> you can't. And, Just because they're closed, you can't take 50 <laughs> stars off. And I actually. That's, that's so unfair. Trains are fun. I didn't even. I actually had this in my note. I didn't even change this because you told me I couldn't rate something negative stars. But yeah, so I I gave it that. And then I, I was like, all right, let's be fair here. So I watched the ride video and it seems like it could kind of have a Jungle Cruise vibe. Uh, the conductor did laugh at a few points. It seemed like he his, his voice sounded light and kind of like, haha, like he had that kind of you know, feeling to his voice. So I don't know uh, if it was, if it's actually a funny 
like take on the it's like the train it's, it's like the disneyland train the disney world train i mean yeah. it's, it's it's very similar to those i think those are good trains what what was it rated so it was rated at four stars um yeah that might be a little overrated well, yeah so i think it's really cool that it goes by splash mountain big thunder mountain uh railroad and like you go through a tunnel through one of the mountains and then there's dinosaurs which is kind of a weird touch but it was really cool um i would love to see that in person because it was kind of hard um you know cameras don't shoot very well in the dark uh so that was really cool and then all right here's where i have to kind of refine my rating though because i read on i read online on on the touring plans that (laughs) it looks great at night and so then i watched a part like nobody had a full ride video so there's an opportunity for a great youtube video for anybody who's going to tokyo disneyland anytime soon um but it looks amazing at night. So the rocky area around Splash Mountains all lit up and it looks incredible. Like it, it's really hard to, to quantify. Um, just go check out a ride video from the uh, Western River Railroad of of it at night because you're elevated. So you can you just get a great vantage point. And fun fact, fun fact about the uh, the when they were building this railroad, they couldn't have the train actually be a main means of transportation from one place to another because there's a law in Japan that requires riders of a train uh, that has more than one stop to buy tickets to ride. So uh, that's why it's more of an attraction than like well, it does have a, it does have multiple stops. So right. all, all the other trains at the other parks have multiple stops. So this is just one loop that you go through yeah. because yeah you, you can't have yeah you can't have multiple S- tickets. So. Um, I would give this ride two different ratings. If you ride it during the day, it'd probably be like a three, but if you ride it at night, probably a four. Yeah, I think I think a four, like I said, compared to some of the other ones that are fours, it, it probably is a little overrated. We we maybe had, three and a half. Um we've had some poor luck with the trains because like you mentioned, they have the dinosaurs at, at Tokyo Disneyland. I believe they have the dinosaurs at the Disneyland one as well. But both times we visited each of those parks, the trains have been closed. Yeah. For so we've never gotten to ride those versions of the trains. So the only train we've actually ridden is at Disney World, and mm-hmm. they currently don't have um, dinosaurs. Like they don't have that like diorama at the Disney World one. Yeah, we we had some interesting like I mean even when we went, we haven't done C yet, but we didn't get to see the full like the mountain because they had scaffolding over it yeah they were, they were doing a lot there so but yeah i think when we went to disneyland they were building uh galaxy's edge mm-hmm. so they had the train close there so yes. all right so i did some digging so disneyland you're like a prospector yes disneyland the haunted mansion is only a four and at disney world okay. it's a four and a half so there's no way it's a five at tokyo yeah i'm i'm sticking with that pirates of the caribbean at disneyland is a five as well Ooh. so it matches up there but at disney world it's only a four it's a full point lower. And I know I know it's a little bit different version at Disney World, so it, it's probably more comparable to the Disneyland version because it goes through the Blue Bayou restaurant. So they at least match as a five. I still think that's overrated. I'm leaning more towards the Disney World rating of a four. But uh, in no other park is the Haunted Mansion a five, so there's no way it's a five <laughs> over there. So I'm sticking with that one, that it's overrated as well. So Yeah, um, and we... We ate at the Blue Bayou in Japan too, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, that was um that was really cool. I we've we've never done that. <laughs> we didn't we've not done that in the American park. So that was a really fun experience just to see Pirates of the Caribbean go by and um, you know, just hang out in that really cool atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a cool thing to check out. And if you wanna, you know, hear more about the Tokyo Disney Resorts, we've if you go back, we did uh trip recap 
uh, one covering the Disneyland, one covering the Disney Sea uh, Park over at Tokyo. Uh, we did those last year, um, so go back and check out those episodes. We also have, if you head over to our YouTube channel, uh, Enchanted Ears uh, is the YouTube channel. We recently did a video reviewing our merchandise haul from the Tokyo Disney Resort, <laughs> where we kind of go through the tons of merchandise yeah. that we ended up uh, getting. So, And we also have... Um, which we purchased over there, a Disney Kuposket. It's kind of like a Funko, but it's it's similar. It's kind of like a Funko idea. It's a but much better version of Funko Yeah, and we've only seen these in Japan, but we are actually giving uh, those away. So we have uh, the first place winner wins an Aladdin and Jasmine Kuposket. Second prize wins an aerial one so we and have aerial y'all so pretty we have we have that going on right now so if you head over to our facebook page uh or enchanted ears on facebook or over to our youtube channel uh you can uh, find all the details there to register and that contest runs through july 3rd and then we will pick a winner so um, be sure to check that out so i want to thank everybody again for listening this week Make sure you uh, subscribe, tell your friends, because again, next week we have the great interview with uh, Tom Bancroft. So we definitely want to make sure that you check that out. Thanks for letting us your ears. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye.